If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. And we'll also read the book of Exodus chapter number 20 and uh, beginning in verse 18. 1 Samuel 14 and 4. This is during the reign of King Saul. And uh, their frequent skirmishes with the Philistines. One particular one, excellent story in verse 4 says, Between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. Anybody ever been between a rock and a hard place before? Well, that's where Jonathan was. The only way he could get to where the Philistines were, where the warfare could be engaged with, was through this passageway, this narrow passage. The name of the one was Bozes, the name of the other, Sinah. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against a mishmash. Mishmash means concealed or hidden. The other southward over against Gibeah. Gibeah means mountaintop, which would be more visible and obvious. Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thine heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men and will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we'll stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. As you read through the remainder of this story, they did just that. They, in this caught between a rock and a hard place where he said it may be that the Lord will fight for us. I mean, the maybe is kind of caught between two things. That's caught between yes and no. He's caught between a rock and a hard place, between a mountaintop and a concealed place. He says it may be that the Lord will fight for us. So they showed themselves. The Philistines said, come on up. They started up, and Jonathan was in front, and the armor bearer was behind. And each time they came in contact with a Philistine, Jonathan would cap, grab him, throw him over, and the armor bearer would slay him until 20 of the Philistines were slain and the rest were shaken in their shoes so dramatically that the whole garrison were shaking the hillside because of their nervousness. That was just two guys. So God used two men and a maybe and brought a great victory to Israel that day because Jonathan understood that God can work even in between in difficult situations. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18. In this passage of scripture, this story is when God was revealing himself to the children of Israel. And they, not just Moses, but all of them, were going to be exposed to God's glory. Verse 18, it says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we'll hear, but 
let not God speak with us lest we die. In other words, they said, Moses, why don't you go talk to God and then come talk to us? We don't want to hear from God. We're nervous. We're scared by this display. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God is come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off. And then Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. I want you to notice in this passage here, where was God? Well, we know God's omnipresent. God's everywhere. But the manifest glory of God, where he was going to interface with Moses face to face, was in the midst of a thick darkness or a fog or a cloud. Right in the midst of a cloud. And today I want to speak for a few moments on this subject. God is in the fog. God is in the fog. You may be in a fog in your life right now. The good news is, that's the best place to be because God is right there. And He can manifest Himself and He can interface with you in a way that never happens when things are clear because God operates in the fog. Let's ask Him to speak to us today, can we? Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for its power to change lives. We thank You, Lord, for its ability to take that which is old, broken down, and make it new. To take that which feels wasted and lost and bring revitalization and newness to it. And today, Lord God, for the next few moments, I pray that you would anoint the ears of the hearers today. Let your speaker, Lord, let your mouthpiece today be used under your anointing to declare a word of hope to somebody. We thank you for this by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody shout out, Amen. 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 God bless you, and you may be seated. I don't know if you've ever had the experience before of being caught between two people who are having an argument. you got one person on one side that's your friend and another person on the other side of the argument that's your friend. You're friends with both of them, but what? They both try to pull you in to take their side. So it's called being caught in the middle. Caught in the middle or torn. One time I uh, saw on... uh, the newspaper that the uh, uh, football, soccer teams from Mexico and Canada were playing. And in the middle of the match, some of you may have seen this, a massive brawl broke out between the uh, uh, soccer or football players from Mexico and the ones from, what's the team in Mexico called? I know somebody can tell me that, right? Chivas? Okay. Chivas, all right. And the Canadians, the Canucks, all right. And they started fighting, they're brawling. And I thought to myself, we should get between them. And I thought, we already are. Some of you take you a while to get that. Some of you just like, it's not that funny. That's why I'm not laughing. Being caught in the middle. Now, uh, sometimes you find yourself personally having two frames of mind or two opinions or two ideas And instead of you being caught between two people, you find yourself torn between two viewpoints or two thoughts or two opinions. You are the one who is torn. You're the one that's caught in the middle between two things. Now, probably one of the places that we don't like to be caught between is between yes 
and no. Let me, let me illustrate this to you. My uh, children sometimes ask me, as soon as I pick them up from school, Dad, can we go buy Starbucks? And Brooklyn does not want the word maybe to come out of my mouth. It's got to be a yes or a no. Honestly, I think she'd prefer no to maybe because maybe is frustrating because it leaves her torn between a yes and a no. You know what the word maybe means? The word maybe means there's a possibility, but it, but it, but it indicates uncertainty. It indicates that I'm not sure yes or no. And we find ourselves sometimes that way in life, and in particular in our relationship with God, in our faith, in what we're going through. We find ourselves caught between yes and no, and the uncertainty drives us crazy. Is God going to provide that job for me? I want to say yes, I want to say yes, but all I can say is maybe because I'm caught between the yes and the no. What's interesting in the story that we read in your hearing, the story of Jonathan, Jonathan was an Israelite. He was a Hebrew. His father was the king, King Saul. And they were fighting against the Philistines. Now, if we as Christians in 2017 want to make sense of this story thousands of years ago and relate it to our lives, we can do it. It's very easy. What we have to do is take what's physical in the Old Testament and understand the spiritual principle in the New Testament. What was happening is the Israelites were God's people. The Philistines were the enemies of God's people. And they were both fighting for the same territory. Well, that's what's happening today. Although it's not a, two nations and it's not swords and spears and bloodshed, it's called spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. And what are we warring over? We're warring over territory or souls of men and women. The enemy has his territory, and as people of God, if we're about the Great Commission, if we're about our Father's business, if we're engaged in spiritual warfare, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be engaging with spiritual wickedness, fighting for the souls of men and women. So that's what Jonathan was doing. That's what Saul and the Israelites were doing. They were taking the territory that God had promised to them, but the only way they could get it is they had to engage in warfare. And sometimes we have to engage in spiritual warfare for the kingdom of God to move forward. You guys still with us now? All right, so here's the story. Jonathan was waiting on something to happen, and Saul and his 600 men we're chilling, sitting under a pomegranate tree. Sometimes we as the church have that problem. We know we're supposed to be taking territory, but we decided to just chill. And that chill session turns into a camping, a campground, and we stay under the pomegranate tree for a long, long time. And Jonathan's like, you know what? I need to do what I'm called to do. So without anybody knowing, he went out to where there was a garrison of Philistines encamped. And he said to his armor bearer, just to him, him and his armor bearer, two people, he said, let's go show ourselves to them because it may be that God will work through us because God can work with a hundred or God can work with two or God can work with a thousand. doesn't matter to God. He doesn't need a bunch. He can do it with a few. 
So let's try it because it may be that God will show himself. Well, where they had to show themselves to the enemy was between two rocks. We read it in your hearing. It was in a difficult passageway. They were stuck between. They were stuck between two things. And not only were they stuck between two rocks, but in terms of whether or not God was going to work for them, Jonathan was stuck between yes and no. Because he didn't say, let's show ourselves because God will work for us. He didn't say, let's go hide because God won't work for us. But he said, let's go show ourselves because it may be. I can't tell you yes. I can't tell you no. I don't have enough faith right now to say yes. But I've seen God do too many things to say no. So I'm caught in the middle between yes and no. And the word is maybe. Maybe God will work for us and work through us. And so they did it. They went and showed themselves. And the story goes that the the door was opened because they said, since I don't have certainty, since I have uncertainty, I'm not just going to waltz up there. I'm going to wait for a sign. And the sign is, if they invite us up, we'll know that that's the sign God's going to fight for us. If they tell us to stay down there, we'll wait because we know that's the sign. It's in essence a closed door. So since there's uncertainty, we're going to Give God the opportunity to move us forward. But we're going to wait for a sign. And the sign is, is there an open door? And the open door is a sign to go forward and God will work for us. But until we get the open door, it's just a maybe. We're caught between yes and no. You know, in our lives, uncertainty can be really frustrating. Because... At certain seasons of our life, we feel very certain about what's going to happen next. We can see clearly what's happening around us. We're comfortable with the health of our marriage. We're comfortable with the uh, uh, strength of our job that we're in and, and the, uh, uh, the, the fact that it's going to be there for us. We're comfortable with what looks like it's happening in the future. And we kinda, everything's kind of clear, almost like you're on a mountaintop and you can just see all around. You can see the, the health and well-being of your kids. You can see your destiny and your future. You can see down the road a ways. You can see retirement. You can see all of these things that just is so clear. And then one thing can happen, and all of a sudden a fog descends. And now things aren't so clear anymore. It's uncertain. I don't know if any of you have ever driven through fog before, but it's frustrating. You make your appointments and you set your time clock and you say, well, I'm going to be at Stockton at 5 o'clock this evening for a service. And then you're driving through Bakersfield and you get past Bakersfield on the 99 and all of a sudden one of those fogs descend. Anybody ever been through that on the 99 before on Interstate 5? Those fogs are scary because all of a sudden you're going 75 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you cannot see 10 feet in front of your face. You don't know if there's a car ahead. You don't even know if you're on the road or not anymore because you can't see anything. And the uncertainty is frustrating. It's fearful. It causes us to be anxious and freeze up and slow down. And I remember my wife and I have done it before, driven down the 99 at five miles an hour because you can't see anything around you. Sometimes that happens in our lives. Everything's clear, everything's cool, everything seems like it's mapped out. And all of a sudden it can be one report from the doctor. Or, or it can be a phone call or a text or something that you noticed. Or a, 
a, a report from a teacher or it can be a word from your boss. It can be any number of things that all of a sudden you feel the fog descending and you're like, oh, I'm not as certain as I used to be. I used to could be, could be able to just say, yes, I'm going to be there. Yes, it's going to happen. Yes, I know it's going to transpire. What are you going to be doing a year from now? I can tell you what I'm going to be doing a year from now, but the fog comes down. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. I can't even see a week out because uncertainty has got me in a place where I don't know what's going to transpire. Uncertainty makes you in a frame of mind like Jonathan where the best you can do, even people of faith, when they're in a fog, all they can say is maybe. It may be that God will work through this situation. It may be that I end up here or that I end up there or God's going to take me here or God's going to take me there. But sometimes you're just, things are unclear and you don't know what's going to happen. Let me, let me share with you. The, the children of Israel in the, in the passage of Exodus that we read, they were with Moses and God was going to reveal himself to them. And the thundering, the lightning, the trumpets made them nervous. So they're like, no, no, you go, Moses. Then come back and tell us what God said. And then the Bible says that Moses moved into the thick darkness where God was. It's a fog. The Shekinah glory. Something that you almost can't even see your hand in front of your face. And he goes into this area of uncertainty where he doesn't realize by his feet whether he's on the path or not. And he can't tell how high he is. And he can't tell how far he's gone. Why? Because the fog has produced uncertainty in his life. But can I tell you the good news? Some of you already know the good news. (laughs) Because the scripture said it. That God was in the thick darkness. And and I want to tell you today that sometimes the thing that we want to avoid at all costs is the very place where we can have a real encounter with God, where he can change us. He can reposition us. He can change our attitude and our mind. We can have an encounter with God in the fog, in the uncertainty, when things are not clear, even when our faith is challenged, even when our faith is struggling. Come on now. I know some of you people of God that have some gray hairs and some experience and hairs coming out your ears. That's what happens when you get old. I know now I have to pick them out, pick nose out of my, hairs out of my nose and my ears. I never had to do that before. I'm like, it is like a weed patch in there. Come on now. Amen. When uh, some of these people, when they get 40, their head goes underground, comes out their ears and nose. But, what was I saying? I can't even remember now. I went, I went a little too far down a pathway. What? Help me, Cambria. Too much TMI, she said. All right, help me. Where was I? Come on, somebody. What's that? Oh, praise the Lord. Yes. And then I had to make fun because I, I got fingers pointing at me now, right? Some of you have been through some, some trials and some difficulties. And you have a testimony today. You're an overcomer. You know why? What you learned is that sometimes in those moments where everything looked like it was mapped out and then everything is out the window and you're in a fog are the moments that you have your most meaningful experiences with God where God shows himself as real, where your lingering doubts are snatched out of your spirit. 
And the very thing that you wanted to avoid, the very thing that you dreaded, becomes the thing that brings transformation to your life. You know why? Because God's in the fog. God's right in the middle of your uncertainty. God's right in the middle of all the questions. Now, I'm going to tell you the last uh, couple months, for me personally, have been a little bit of like the fog dropping. As it's like you think, hey, I know what's going to happen next. Look, uh, God's opened a door for this and, and blah, 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 and all this is taking place. And then all of a sudden, transition starts happening. Transition starts taking place. What's transition? Transition is when like two things come together. One direction hits another direction. Like, have you ever uh, seen those terrible tornadoes that hit Oklahoma and wipe out entire communities? You know why that happens? It's because two fronts come together. And what happens? Those people who get wiped away by the tornado, they were caught between two things that were coming together. Because sometimes in times of transition, when two things are coming together, it creates a storm. Come on now. And sometimes you find yourself in the dark, in the storm, in the rain, in the fog, and you can't see anything, and you wonder what's happening. And a lot of times it happens through transitions and changes in your life that things begin to create a cyclone effect, a tornado effect, and you find yourself, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Where am I going to end up? Oh, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. Or Toto, I guess it was Toto was not the one talking to Dorothy. Like, where am I? I think I done wound up in Oz. We find ourselves repositioned. Why? Because Dorothy got between two fronts. She got caught between two different things. And when she got caught, it created uncertainty and put her in a place that she didn't even know where she was. Some of you have been through some storms in your life. We have some folks that have a witness that they got word that uh, something happened, that they got a phone call, that something transpired, that they got some news, and it sent them into an emotional tornado. Looked like it was going to destroy them. But I want to tell you what they learned and what they come out. If they're here today, they're here today because they learned that God's in the fog. That God's in the midst of those hard places. In the midst of those times when two things come together and it creates stress and frustration and uncertainty because God is in the fog. Somebody shout amen. And the uncertainty can be produced by sickness, job insecurity, family trials. When all of a sudden you're not sure What's coming next and what once was clear becomes obscure. When we're caught in these places, caught in these areas of uncertainty, God can manifest himself. Now, I was thinking today about the story of Jesus walking on the water. Cool story, huh? But the story of Jesus walking on the water starts out with this. He told his disciples to jump in the boat cross the sea to the other side. And Jesus stayed and prayed. And when the disciples got on the boat, you can read it for yourself. The winds became contrary, started to fight them and toss them. And so a trip that may have just taken a couple hours, now it's the middle of the night and they're so stressed out because they're in the middle of a storm. Now listen to me right now. Some people think when they walk into a storm and when they walk into a fog that apparently they've walked out of the will of God. Are you guys with me? But they did exactly what Jesus told them to do and walked into a storm, sailed into a storm. And sometimes you find yourself right in the middle of the will of God. You haven't done anything wrong and a fog descends. 
You haven't done anything wrong. And a storm begins to erupt in your life. Listen to me right now. When a storm comes, it's not a sign of you being out of the will of God. It may be a sign that you're doing exactly what Jesus told you to do. Because there's revelation, there's understanding, there's information, there's repositioning, there's a change of mind that can happen when we experience the fog. Why? Because God's in it. And God's going to do something. So they're across, about halfway across, and the Bible says it is the third watch. The third watch of the night. Or fourth watch, I'm sorry. Fourth watch of the night. So I looked it up. I said, what's the fourth watch of the night? Well, I found out the first watch of the night was from 6 to 9 p.m. The second watch was from 9 p.m. to midnight. The third watch was from midnight to 3 a.m. The fourth watch is, anybody ever driven all night? You, you drive all night? The fourth watch is when you wake your wife up and make her drive. Because she's been sleeping since 10, right? Like, I can't go on anymore. The fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. What typically happens between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m.? The sun comes up. Because the fourth watch of the night is, number one, it's the darkest part of the night, but it's also that part of the night that's caught between the night and the day. Because here's night on the one hand, and here's day about to break. And they're in the midst of the storm, and all of a sudden, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the middle of the night, caught between night and day, they see something walking on the water. And I'm going to tell you, when you're in the fog and you see something, it freaks you out. Right? You're driving along, you're like, oh! there's a car beside me, oh, I'm off the road, I'm in a ditch. Anything you see is going to freak you out when you're in a place of uncertainty. And when they saw Jesus, the Bible says that they thought he was a spirit or a ghost or a goblin or something like that or a demon. And they were fearful and they cried out. And Jesus said back to them, be of good cheer. Amen. Chill out. Relax. Amen. Everything's going to be all right. You're in the will of God. You're going where I told you to go. I told you to go to the other side. Since he told them to go to the other side, they didn't have to fear the storm because they knew they were going to end up on the other side. And I want to tell you today that if the fog descends, if you find yourself in a storm, that you will make it through. Can I get a witness? <clears throat> that you will make it through on the other side. That you will come through. But don't be afraid in the fog. Don't be fearful in the storm. You know why? Because God's in the fog. And Jesus is walking in the midst of the storm. And when things get crazy and when things get uncertain, when things become unclear, God is right there in the middle of it. And you can have an encounter like Peter did. He walked on water right in the midst of the storm. Praise God. And you can have an encounter with God that you could never have before in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of those types of situations. So I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you today that when you face uncertainty, and you feel like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. What's happening? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to survive? Realize, amen, that it's not just a, a, a something that's come along to drive you off of course or, or frustrate you or bring uh, situations into your life that's going to stress you out. If you can realize, like Moses did, that God's in the fog, and you can walk right into it, amen. You could say, hey, I know God's in the fog. I want to go encounter him. Now, I'm not going and looking for uncertainty, and I'm not going and looking for a storm, but when it comes, I know that God's in it. Amen. God can be in the storm, and God can be in the fog. Come, some, come on, somebody. Praise him right now if you believe that. One more thing. In, in the book of Acts, chapter number 
27. Um, the story of Apostle Paul, he was a prisoner. He was carried on a ship from one location to the next in the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, at one point, they were getting ready to go out of the harbor to their next location. The Apostle Paul told the uh, captain of the ship, hey, don't do it because it could bring harm to the ship and even negatively impact our lives. We could lose our lives. They didn't listen to Paul. They went forward anyway. So Paul and all of his shipmates were in uh, this trip. And all of a sudden, the evidence of a storm begins to erupt. And in Acts 27, you can read it for yourself. This storm is so bad that it has its own name. Anybody know the name? Here, this is a good uh, Bible trivia question. Does anybody know the name of the storm that the Apostle Paul experienced in Acts chapter 27? Anybody? It it had those uh, elements to it, but it was called a Euryclidon. David knew that, didn't you? Maybe. Euryclidon. Acts 27 says the storm or the wind was called Euryclidon. Well, what's Euryclidon? Euryclidon, I looked it up. It says it's a mix of two words, Euro and Akalon. Euro means east wind. Akalon means north wind. And it was a way that they would describe when these two fronts would come together and it created cyclones in the Mediterranean area. So it was between the north winds, and did I say the east winds or the west winds? The east winds, when they came together, it created this storm system. Uh, we have El Nino here. They had Euroclidon there. And it created all these cyclones and these terrible weather situations. And the Apostle Paul, when the weather began to threaten the ship's survival, and they're like, what do we do? We jump in the water? What do we do? What are we going to do? The Apostle Paul gave them this answer. If you'll stay with the ship, you'll make it safe. If you just stay with the ship, you'll make it safe. And then as they were coming in, they came in on the rocks. The rocks began to beat the, uh, the ship to pieces, and it broke into shards. And the people that were on the boat, including the Apostle Paul, grabbed onto pieces of the ship and came floating into an island on pieces of the broken up ship, the result of being between the north wind and the east wind. They come floating in to an island. The island's called Melita. It's a really cool story. They get in and there's barbarians on the island. They're not civilized people. They're like, uh, you know, chiefs and tribes and so forth. So they get in this island and they're standing around a fire, sitting around a fire, a big group of them, and the apostle Paul gets bitten by a viper. You can't make this up. It's in the Bible. Shipwrecked, come in on pieces of ship, sitting around the fire, get bit by a viper. And the, and the barbarians, very superstitious people, they're like, this guy's got to be a murderer. God's trying to get him, man. He tried to kill him on the shipwreck, and he finally came to shore. He's a tough bird, but he's got to have something against him. God's got to have something, because now he's bitten by a, a viper, and it's pumping the poison into this man. And the apostle Paul takes the snake, and puts it over the fire and shakes it off. And the snake falls down into the fire and roasts in the fire there in the coals. And then they're just watching Paul. They're like, he's going to drop any minute now. He ain't that big of a fella to, to be able to absorb that much poison to last 20 minutes, man. I, I give them 10 minutes. They probably bet in like uh, three minutes. They didn't have watches, so I don't know how they would do it. But. And then after a while, they realize he hasn't fallen. He hasn't dropped yet. He's still breathing. 
And they're like, uh-oh, this is a tough dude. Two or three hours later, when they realize he's not dying, he's not even sick, he's just fine, they're like, maybe he wasn't a murderer. Maybe he's a god. And then through the process, Paul begins to testify to them about the power of the name of Jesus, about how God has transformed his life. There's a real missionary trip to the natives in this island of Melita. And while they're talking, one of the chiefs, Publius, says, my dad's sick right now, terrible sickness in the tent. Paul said, let's go talk, let's go there because through the power of the name of Jesus, we believe for healing. They went to the tent or the, uh, or the teepee or whatever it was where he was sleeping and he went in, he prayed for him, laid hands on him and God healed him immediately and it started a healing crusade and a revival of the name of Jesus on the island of Melita. So you can't, t- go, you can try, but you can't tell me that while the Apostle Paul's floating in with his arms and legs wrapped around the chunk of a ship, that he knows what's fixing to happen. We're talking about uncertainty right now. Am I going to live? Am I going to make it in? When I get in there, am I going to be eaten alive? I don't know what's going to happen. This is not on my plan. This wasn't in my five-year schedule. This isn't what I had planned, but I don't know what's going to happen next, but it may be. Hey, when I get in on the boat, it may be that God will fight for us. I want to tell you that when you get caught between difficulties, when you find yourself in a tough place, when you find yourself in a place of uncertainty, God's going to bring you through it. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Not only is he going to bring you through it, but he's in the middle of it. He's in the fog. He's in the storm. And here's the cool thing about this storm is the storm put the apostle Paul where God wanted him, and Paul didn't even know it. Guess what? You don't know the will of God for your life, but the storm does. You don't know the will of God for your life, but the fog knows. And when the fog begins to settle, it feels like the furthest thing from God ordering your life. And when the storm begins to blow, it looks like God's punishment. But could it be that God's bringing transfer? transformation and repositioning to your life for the purpose that he has for you see the only way you can believe that is if you believe that God's in the fog the only way you can believe that is if you believe that Jesus is walking on the waves of the storm the storm's no accident the storm's not sent to destroy you but the storm is a part of God's manifestation oh come on somebody let's praise the Lord why don't you stand to your feet and praise the Lord Jesus right now Hallelujah, 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 praise God. They were sailing on that ship. The warm south breezes send them in a determined direction. And all of a sudden, Eurycliden comes upon them. They find themselves caught between two contrary winds that create a storm think to themselves we're certainly off track we're certainly off mission the purpose is destroyed we're not going to get our prisoner where he wants to go you know what God can do God can work through the uncertainty not only can he but he does 
you get into a storm, you need to chill. It's hard because we like yeses or noes. We don't like maybes. Things are swirling. The best you can do is a maybe. You going to make it? Maybe. And you know, we'll put on our best look and we're like, I speak faith, I declare it, I believe it. And we should. This is scriptural to speak faith. But we sit back in our chair at night and we're like, I put my best foot forward, my best face forward for my kids. But if I'm going to be honest, all I feel is a maybe. Maybe it's about the best I can do. I don't have a yes and I don't have a no. I'm not going to say no because I, I, I believe God too strong for that. But I'm not going to say yes because I don't have the swagger I had three weeks ago. Come on. But I can say maybe. It may be. I'm caught between two things right now. I feel the wind blowing from both sides. It's got me swirling. It's got me in a storm. It's got me in a little bit of a breakup situation. But I'm telling you right now, hallelujah, I believe that God's in the fog. God's in the middle of the uncertainty. God is in the middle of the storm. The storm's going to last as long as it's going to last and then it's going to come to pass. But the storm's going to do what it was designed to do and when it's done, you're going to be a different person. Praise God. You're going to be a better person. You're going to be a more effective person. You're going to be a more anointed person. How do you know, Pastor? Because God's in the fog. God's in the storm. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and look at him right now and nudge him and say, you know, you know God's in the fog. God's in the middle of that uncertainty. That uncertainty you've been stressed about and not, not desiring to see, God's right in the middle of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want us to pray together for a few minutes before we leave here. Would that be all right? Church family, we need to leave here strong and go into this year. You know, some years you go into and you go into it and you say, well, it's 2014. I'm going to, by the end of the year, I'm going to have $50,000 in the bank and uh, I'm going to uh, have all these bills paid off and uh, spiritually I'm going to do all this and all that. And, uh, and thank God for that. Thank God for those years. But sometimes you stumble into a year and you find yourself in a fog. Some of you are that way right now. You listen to these people making their plans. You're like, I want to make plans. I want to have a vision. But right now I can't even see what tomorrow looks like. Because I'm finding myself in, in the midst of uncertainty. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I don't know what next week is going to unfold in my life. But can I tell you that it's not wasted time. It's not silly time. It's not foolish time. It's God time. Praise God. Praise God. Because he's right in the middle of it. He's right in the middle of it. And he's going to perform what he's going to perform in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of not knowing, God's right there in the middle. Can we join together at the front for a minute right now? We're going to pray together as families before we leave here. Mm.
Some of you are walking into this year and, and you're not sure what's going to happen at your job. There's just a lot of uncertainty there. Some of you uh, have those situations with your, your family, with your marriage. Maybe some of your kids are facing things. And as a parent, I know that when your kids face down things, I feel like we might carry it even more heavily than they do. When your kids face uncertainty, when, when your kids are, are going through difficulty and you don't know what the next year holds for them, it's like things are uncertain. But I'm talking to a group of people that are armed with revelation. The revelation is God's in the middle of it. So you don't have to fear. You you don't have to go to the other side of the mountain and hide out. But like Moses, you can walk into the darkness. You can walk into the fog. You can walk into the uncertainty because you know. Listen, you know. God's right there. I want you to reach over and pray with somebody right now. If your family's close by, your husband, wife, do that. If not, brother or sister in Christ, we're going to pray with one another in this place. God's at work in your life. Listen to me right now. It's a prophetic word. There's some of you, God's working in your life right now, and you're scared. Just like the disciples were when they saw Jesus on the water, they thought it was something harmful. God's at work in your life right now and it's not a spirit, it's not a ghost, it's not a goblin, it's not a demon. God's in the storm. Don't be fearful. Be of good cheer. In the name of the Lord, be of good cheer. Praise God. God, I pray for my brother and my sister right now, Lord Jesus. Some of them going through uncertainty. Some of them facing a storm right now in their family. Some of them, Lord Jesus, lost a little of their swagger because of what they've been through. But in the name of the Lord, let them find you. Let them discover you. Let them recognize you in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the storm. Let them realize, Lord Jesus, that you're fighting for them. You're there with them. You're repositioning them. You're changing them. You are impacting their life for the good. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.